Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here for Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Happy Friday to you. We've got Tim Brando from Fox Sports who will join us in 20 minutes. Plus, later, former Miami Heat guard Norris Cole will join us on the show. We'll preview the upcoming Game 4 and uh, potentially game winner for Denver on Sunday in what would be a, a Game 5 for a chance to win the series if they win tonight. Join us on YouTube. You can search out Outkick there, and we hope you'll subscribe to the channel. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a like if you're watching currently, and uh, join Chad in the chat. How's the chat today? Chat's good. Had a bit of a holy war breakout between oh. two guys. Had to separate that. Which countries? Once we got that separated. No, it was, was oh. not countries. It was <laughs> okay. religions. Uh, Christianity and Islam, if you'd like to know. It and could be countries. We, just saying. We separated those two. <laughs> this is a perfect segue, Hutton. I'm okay. setting you up on a tee here. <laughs> Separated that that holy war, and we're good now. We're all back in harmony in the chat, okay. discussing all the issues, which kind of sets things up for this story we're about to no get into. No one got into. canceled, is what you're saying, out of the chat. Not yet. Okay. I, I, I've okay. yet to bounce anyone from the chat. It's all we're all good. Man, uh, so it, it continues to just circle and stir with the PGA and live, because while you've got Jay Monahan, who is sitting with. Uh, the Live Tour earlier this week and announcing the, the bombshell news that they were merging. They've since removed that language from the press release. I think we all know why, because of antitrust uh, lawsuit possibilities. Um, but internally, internally, we've got uh, Roy McElroy, who's having to answer questions based on what he has said over the last 10 or 11 months. Chad, we've we certainly uh, Brandel Chambly has been outspoken on the golf Continues channel to be. because he's been the most outspoken media member about live and the money that was pouring in to make that happen and where it was coming from. Well, there's a PGA tour board member in Jimmy Dunn who he, he he's one of the, the driving forces really of what happened with the news for the PGA joining live. He was also very outspoken about the live tour a year ago and uh, the Saudi backed uh, golf organization and he once worked on the 104th floor of the World Trade Center South Tower and he has vowed to take matters into his own hands based on what he said last year and what he's saying now on NBC Sports unbelievably sad and awful that day was so I understand that and I am quite certain, and I've had conversations with a lot of very knowledgeable people, that the people I'm dealing with had nothing to do with it. And if someone can find someone that unequivocally was involved with it, I'll kill them myself. We don't have to wait around. But the reality of it is, is that we need to, we need to come together as a people. There's uh, come By together. The way, I love the, 
Go ahead. I mean, you go from if you can unequivocally find evidence that any of these live guys had something to do with 9-11, I'll kill them myself. But, guys, what we really need to do here is just all come together. Come together. And unity. Unify. That's, that's, that, now, that Chad, is not the segue I was thinking from I, that. I will kill them myself, too. But ultimately, we all just need to come together. I don't disagree with what he's saying. Right? You, you and I have uh, friends who served based on tours in Iraq and Afghanistan that came about through 9-11, 2001. He and Jay Monahan used that as ammunition against Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, and others. And now, the same guy who's doing that is saying, by the way, he didn't say, like, if I personally find someone who uh, is involved in this, I'm going to kill them myself. He wasn't saying that last year. He's saying that this year because they just took the bag. And he's saying, the, the people I'm involved with, the reaction last year was patriotism and loyalty. And now it's about unity. Funny how that comes about when they were immediately reacting to the live tour, buying out players and those players taking blood money. And now all of a sudden, uh, it's like they're baptized and their sins are washed away in the PGA Tour. You know, water to wine, according to you know, the PGA Tour board members who helped drive and facilitate this secretively behind the scenes for the last seven weeks. I'm not anti-9-11 in, in the campaign against what's going on in Saudi. In fact, I'm right behind it. But I'm always against hypocrites and BS and liars. And that's all I've heard from the PR stance from the PGA Tour this week at the very top. And he's one of them. He's and not going to kill anybody by, by his own hands. No, look at this dude. No, and they also... And look, I, he just echoed the sentiment of any American... Uh, you didn't have to work on the 104th floor of the World Trade Center to feel that way. Right. I think anyone who lived through that time that has visceral memories and a response to what happened, you can remember that moment. If you had the opportunity and found out someone in front of you was behind it, you know, you would feel the same way. I'm not saying everybody would do it, but you'd feel the same way of what he's talking about, about killing them myself. Let's also put out there that it is a, it's a big link to th just throw out there that, you know, because Saudi nationals and Osama bin Laden being a Saudi national were behind the 9-11 attacks, that now, you know, people would live somehow or the people of this investment fund are also behind 9-11. We, we, we don't know that, okay? We know that the country harbored a lot of terrorists and that all of that went down and it was orchestrated by Saudis, but... The fact that people that were anti-live, but really, let's, let's back it up. Not anti-live, pro-PGA. The people that were pro-PGA a year ago weaponized all of that insinuation of, if you go to live, you go to the people who backed 9-11. You go to the hands that murdered Jamal Khashoggi. You go into all of that. All the, the, it's them. They're the same. One and the same. There's no difference. You're taking that money. When you try to close the gap of what we know and don't know and just generalize it and say all, all of this is good, all this is bad. This happened after 9-11. You know, suddenly in America, Islam was not viewed the same in the United States post 9-11. There's a lot of generalization going on. I think some of that also happened with the Live Tour. But when you weaponize that because you want 
good golfers to stay with your tour and not leave. And you're saying a lot of this stuff in interviews. Hutton, I am with you that it's difficult then to come back and especially in the same interview answer, say, I'll kill them myself, but now this is all about unity. We all really need to come together as a golf community and do what's best for the sport. I don't know that the guys who said all of that, now the PGA could be about this if they were silent when all this was going on, and we would all buy it. But because of what they said a year ago, no one is buying anything coming out of their mouth now. No, and and, and the narrative was... Saudis, blood money. And so all of the, the players were facing questions about that at the first uh, live event in London. And then the lawsuits came out and they banned them from the PGA. And here's Jimmy Dunn, who sits on the board of the PGA. And wants, uh, just listen to him again. He wants us to believe, based on what he said last year, now all of a sudden, the claim is, based on what we know, he's claiming they vetted these people in seven weeks. The same people that they were using as an argument for why everyone was out for the death kill of Phil Mickelson, Greg Norman, and others. So that day was. So I understand that. And I am quite certain, and I've had conversations with a lot of very knowledgeable people that the people I'm dealing with had nothing to do with it. And if someone can find someone that unequivocally was involved with it, I'll kill them myself. We don't have to wait around. But the reality of it is, is that we need to, we need to come together as a people. It was just ridiculous. I mean, you, you know, you have the, the people that are uh, accused of stolen valor, right? Like I, Again, I'm for what he's saying. I just think I just think he's full of BS. I don't trust this dude, just like I don't trust Jay Monahan. And if I'm a player, I'm not trusting anything that's coming out of the mouths of the PGA Tour execs or the board members. Because you have fools like this that are spitting this garbage and making headlines about killing Saudis if they're involved in 9-11 when this dude just joined up and took the money. And he was on the board that allowed this and negotiated this over seven weeks. Yeah, they've lost all integrity. That's why Jay Monahan cannot continue to lead the PGA Tour. Uh, he can. I mean, if, if he just really wants to be in power that bad, I'm sure he set himself uh, I mean, up and insulated himself with this deal with, with the Saudis it, that he could stay on board. But how does anyone respect him or listen to him if you're a PGA Tour player at this point? You can't. Well, the, the, but, I mean, the players are basically told what to do now. Yeah. That's exactly what they've been, uh, they were told. Hey, we're, we're merging. Deal with it. Scott Stallings told he's, he's like, not like I'm not going to just quit and not play golf. And, 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 and he's right. I don't think the actual game of golf changes all that much. But the whole, you know, the, everyone getting up and, and riled up, right? The passion behind what was last year, last summer for the PGA Tour. All of a sudden, they want to act like, oh, it's time to unify now. Unify countries. We're going to form a line. Yeah, Jay Monahan said... We're going said, to form a line and, and hold they're hands. They're going down their path. We're going down ours. And it was time to unite the two paths. <laughs> well, part of your path was to bash the PGA Tour at every turn. I'm sorry. To well, bash Live Tour at every turn. And to make everyone who went there to, to make them the villain. 
And it wasn't that, for what they what they were about or, or or their you know what the the rights uh, human rights or it was about survival for them to stay rich and and afloat. That's all that was. They used all that on behalf of them making money and not being put out, and they joined because that is exactly what was going to happen. Yeah, and that, and that sucks. I mean, that, that that's a straight up lie, and a cloak to cover up what they were actual motives, what what the motives were, and their agenda was against the individuals that took the money, just like they did 10 or 11 months later as they started to negotiate. I was at an auto shop today, and, and someone asked me there, they said, you know, how do you think this changes the game of golf for what we see on the PGA Tour? And my response was, I don't think that it does. I think golf is going to be golf, and the tournaments aren't going to change that much. We might see some team competition with Liv, um, but it's just it's the perception that changes. Yes. It's now what we know about the PGA Tour, what we know about Jay Monahan. We know how hypocritical they are, that they were and they continue to be. That's what changes. I, I honestly believe for the outsider, just the golf fan, and not even the, the diehard golf fan, common sports fan's perspective, this was a good move because you're uniting the two branches, and I think the product will be better. There's going to be a lot more money now pumped into golf. Well, because on So course, I think what we see on television yeah, exactly. will be better, and this is a good day if you're just a golf fan yeah. that wants to watch on TV. We're and not going to see I, I a big difference. I agree with that. I agree with that because on course, I'm not thinking about who's on the Live Tour or who's on the PGA Tour. No. Now, behind the scenes, that's the discussion, and that's what's leading the headlines. But on the course, I'm just watching for the major championships and the bigger tournaments because – from the, the casual viewer of the sport, that's what I enjoy doing. I, I want to watch the best players play, to Chad's point. And now we get that. We were already getting that, though, through the major championships. And ultimately, I thought that was the bridge to this because we were going to see the best play and ultimately win based on how the greats were still the greats, a la Brooks Kepka Or Mickelson, for that matter, who's in the final, what, two or three groups on uh, Sunday at, at Augusta. Back in April. Hit us up with your thoughts on the YouTube chat at Outkick. Uh, you can just simply uh, search us out there on YouTube. Subscribe. We hope you give us a thumbs up and join us in the chat to give uh, your opinion. Uh, Chris Paul, he's been now uh, waived. The report was he's been waived by the Phoenix Suns. That has not officially happened yet because I think they're trying, they could be trying to work out some contractual deal because he's due over 30 million plus next year. And by, if they waived him, they're only going to have to pay against the cap $3 million next year. It's a huge financial gain for the Suns. Sounds like he still is interested in playing. Some other teams could certainly be involved. Um, but what he wants to do is win an NBA title. The Suns, we've mentioned this, Chad, the Suns are set up next year to have the expectation that we've seen from Boston and Denver this year. Kevin Durant, I mean, you've got the loaded lineup. Championship hunt. Loaded lineup. And, and Paul was a part of that. And He's in the championship hunt. He's never won a title, never won the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Uh, and I mean, everyone knows that. Even uh, some boy in school that's talking trash to his daughter. It's tough on me, but I think it's probably even harder for the people around me, especially my wife. My wife is the one who has the bear, those late nights, those I can't sleep, and my kids. Like, my daughter is the sweetest soul you'll ever meet in your life. But she's at that age now where at school, kids talk crazy to her. She had a little boy, whatever, at school that said some reckless stuff to her. It was like, your daddy ain't never going to win no championship, right? And my baby is so, she's special. She'll hold it together there, but when she got in the car, she called. And she was upset. And I had to have that conversation with her. 
her and talk to her, you know, and tell her, like, baby, some people talk and some people do. Mm. But that's part of it. It's tough, man. Chad, my initial reaction is, while this certainly shouldn't happen, like, it, it's the ultimate trash talk at a, a much young, younger age than what it should be. But if that's what Chris Paul's complaining about, his daughter's got it easy when it comes to bullying and cruelty because kids are cruel. They're yeah. going to talk trash and make fun of the person beside them. And if it's because your dad doesn't have an NBA title or you know a $5 million ring on his finger, uh, forgive me for not really caring about that type of bullying compared to others that takes place on a daily basis. If I were Chris Paul, I would have told my daughter, your response next time is, uh, well, what is it your daddy does for a living? Does he play in the NBA? No, yeah. that, that would have, should have been the sure. daughter's response. Oh, how many NBA titles does, does your dad have? Are you, are your are kids? You, is your father Thunder Dan Marley? I'm sorry. Is this Kevin Johnson's age, kid here I didn't know about? Are they like getting, are, are they worried about what other kids are saying in school? My daughter, who's uh, just turned eight, is getting the level where she gets easily embarrassed. Right. You know, it's kind of the embarrassment age yeah. where before she wasn't embarrassed about anything. It is um, amazing yeah, what I mean, kids it's, will it's, say. It's clicky. You know, even in, yeah. in she's in second going into third grade. But, yeah, and oftentimes with a group of girls, I have girls, girls can be very mean when they get around each other and they get in groups. And they usually, um, they team up, and there's one or two that's left out or it's in minority that then they su suddenly get picked on. I am a little surprised this was a little boy <laughs> trash-talking a little girl saying your daddy's that's why your daddy's never going to win a ring um next level trash talk don't know that i would have gone there if i was the kid though because it's hey. still pretty cool that that girl's dad is chris paul is I mean, cp3 this is the best trash bad. talk i've heard since scotty pippen told Carl Malone that the mail isn't delivered on sunday i mean he still hasn't won a title maybe it got back to chris cp3 maybe this will be the the drive that he needs <laughs> to get over the hump <laughs> He's going to, just like the Kevin Garnett, anything is possible mm -hmm. speech. He's just screaming into the mic after winning an NBA title. And this is for the seven-year-old, <laughs> my daughter's elementary school, who said I would never be here and never accomplish this. In your face, kid. And then he calls the kid's name out and gives an address. It's like Israel Adesanya in UFC. He looks at the kid who uh, faked death, whatever. He got knocked out by his father. And then Adesanya did the same thing in UFC most recently to get the title back. Yeah. <laughs> Kids can be mean. That's, that's, that's the moral of the story. Kids can be mean. <laughs> Coming up, Tim Brando joins us from Fox Sports. His take on the Live and PGA Tour partnership now, plus the Pac-12 and ACC rumored to form an alliance. Does it matter? We'll get Timmy B's take next on Hot Mike. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. 
Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Chad, we, uh, we felt cool a couple of weeks ago, right? Whenever we were talking with Tim Brando, and we had his blessing to call him Timmy B., Right. I, I, well, first off, I feel cool anytime we get to talk to Tim Brando. Right. Yep. He, plus or minus the Timmy B moniker, if we talk I, to him, it's made my day. I hear the CBS SEC theme whenever Tim joins us in my head. I'm just playing. Tim Brando joins us from Fox Sports. Tim, how are you, man? <laughs> I'm doing great, fellas. Good to be with you. And thanks for that. It's, it's, uh, I'm oftentimes reminded of my my days at CBS, and I'll always tell the uh, the people that do that, hey, it was, uh, it was a wonderful time that I spent there. I enjoyed it, and it's nice to be missed. I'm so, uh, I'm so, glad, there, you, I'm so, there, I'm so glad I didn't bring up a bad memory because I'm, I'm no, just randomly no, throwing that out there memories. to you. Yeah, right. another but great memories. You guys were talking about uh, Chris Paul and his, uh, yeah. his daughter and what that's like. When you're a broadcaster, a sportscaster that's in the South, and you have daughters that that go to SEC schools, which I did. <laughs> my oldest, my oldest went to LSU twenty plus years ago, and my youngest uh, to Ole Miss ten plus years ago. So anytime I was um, candid about maybe what was going on that that was not necessarily positive about either school, they both felt it. I mean, they they felt it big time. Uh, one in particular, I want to make mention. If you guys were watching twenty plus years ago on CBS, you know that the BCS World in Crisis countdown was something I consistently did on my show. It was something I yes. talked about with Spencer in the studio. During the week of uh, the Arkansas LSU game, which is traditionally the Friday after uh, Thanksgiving, USC was poised, everyone thought, to win another BCS championship, but their schedule was weak. And it Say what you want about the BCS, and God knows I did. Um, I wanted it to die very quickly, but at least they had a strength of schedule component. And sometimes they had so many computers in use, you could almost predict what was going to happen. I felt, and, and Spencer and I both said it, if LSU beat Arkansas, went on to win the SEC championship, that they would overtake USC and play in the BCS national championship. Well, you can imagine how many friends I made in Southern California. Well, it happened. USC, you might recall, won the AP title that year, and uh, LSU won the BCS title, a split championship, uh, hoisting the crystal for Nick Saban. The day of that game, now this picture was in the New Orleans Times-Picayune. It was picked up off television because CBS just happened to find my daughter in the student section. That's my daughter, <laughs> Tiffany, holding up. The BCS world in crisis, <laughs> and as it turned out, that victory helped uh, catapult. So I, I've uh, oftentimes referred to my daughter, Tiffany, as uh, uh, she was renamed. They didn't know who it was they were taking a picture of, 
but she's AP photo forever now because of that. And the people at the New Orleans paper sent me that picture. But yeah, it's something that follows our children. You'll find this out as your kids get older, fellas. Both of you will. Tim, uh, didn't uh, I love that didn't story. someone awesome. offer like thirty yeah. or forty million dollars, some company for USC and LSU to play a game right after the split championship? Right after that, yeah, right after that, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Sure course, did. Uh, and they wouldn't and turn that, that particular down now. year. Yeah, no, and, and you might remember that year. Uh, Oklahoma's strength of schedule was so strong that they lost. They got trounced in the Big 12 title game, still played in the BCS championship. <laughs> so it was really weird that particular year. <laughs> Tim Brando with us from Fox Sports. Uh, at the Live and, and PGA uh, partnership, they've removed the name or the word merger from this, from the press release from earlier this week. Yeah. What was your reaction Probably when you saw this? Were you as shocked as we were? Lame. You know, just as lame as everything else the PGA has been regurgitating all week. Uh, how Jay Monahan still has a job is, um, you know, it's it's way way beyond my comprehension of what I just witnessed. When a man can come forward and say, I know I, everyone that's going to call me a hypocrite, go ahead, call me a hypocrite. Okay, he's taking his public relations beating, but uh, that man shouldn't have a job. I mean, I I don't know how you get away with the blood money thing that they were perpetrating on the live tour. And listen, to some degree, I I kind of understood that. I've got a lot of friends in New York, uh, and I have some friends that lost loved ones in New York. That was something they couldn't get over. But that was a public relations move that Monahan land led. He wanted that. I mean, that was their narrative. And to then do this, this, this sudden about face, um, you would think somebody would have to pay for that, starting with Monahan or whoever else was in his ear telling him that. I agree with you fellas, and I agree with most people that golf will be better for this decision. The Saudis clearly have a lot of money. They want to spend it on the PGA Tour. Rory indicated that yesterday and what I thought was a rather heartfelt Rory should be the most pissed off. Yes. Okay, yeah. among the of uh, the PGA Tour players. But uh, the bottom line is the Saudis have the money and they have the kind of money to fix a lot of the um, legal issues that the PGA Tour was facing. So much of all of those allegations that were going to have to come public now go away. Everything goes away. And Monaghan gets off scot-free. Somehow, to me, that's just wrong. But again, I'm looking at golf from distance. Uh, I'm not as involved on a weekly basis uh, covering the sport as I I once was. But frankly, um, I think both both tours will, will play on the way they are this year. Next year, whether Greg Norman and the live approach Uh, continues. He says it will. I'm not sure that it will. We shall see. But ultimately, it's good for golf. It's bad for the rank and file players. It's it's really bad for those players that opted uh, to be loyal to the PGA and are going to be ranked somewhere between 90th and 120th in the tour rankings by the end of this year. I spoke with two players on tour this past week, uh, one of them, Scott Stallings, who came on the show. And both of them reacted the same way. If Monaghan's out, if we call for him to resign... Who's replacing him? Who's in charge of replacing him? And I think the sentiment is it's uh, Yasir Al-Ramanya, who was 
with Liv and who's backing this through the public investment fund uh, of Saudi. So I think either way, they feel like they're going to be taking you know, orders from those who are running Liv right now. Yeah. Uh, if Monaghan is a, um, is a statue to represent the old guard, I guess maybe that's the way they want to do it. He's certainly not uh, pulling all the strings. He's not the maestro of this. We know that. Or he wouldn't have gone down such a surly, tawdry road during this process. Uh, you know, I was pretty uh, active when all this was happening a little over a year ago saying, listen, I, I love golf. I'm going to watch all the golf I can get my hands on. I will tell you that I was troubled by some of the press conferences from those first tournaments you guys were discussing. Uh, Phil Mickelson never looked so bad as he did uh, at that first golf tournament that was being played for Liv, dodging question after question. But in the end, uh, Phil looks like the smart guy, and uh, as does Brooks Kepka and everybody else that decided to do what they did. Uh, honestly, I think most people, though, like me, we care about all the Liv players getting to play in all the majors. We like to see Liv players get to play in some of the historic PGA tournament venues, places like Phoenix, Fort Worth, Hogan's Alley, you know, at Colonial Country Club. We want to see those guys have an opportunity to compete for the championships that have historic bearing. Jack's tournament, you know, in Dublin, Ohio, at Muirfield. And I think we're going to get that now, and that's, that's ultimately a good thing. So Pitt head coach Pat Narduzzi took some shots at, at Deion Sanders saying, this is not what the transfer portal, this is not why it was created. This is not the proper use of it with what's going on at Colorado. Hutton and I were saying, man, Dion's really taking the high road here because he hasn't even acknowledged it one way or the other. Well, he did an interview and he was asked about it. And his response was, I don't know who Pat Narduzzi is. He said, if he walked in this room right now, I could not tell you who Pat Narduzzi is or what he does. He said, I can tell you he's probably mad at someone else. And he's throwing my name in there because he's really mad at someone else who took one of his players. I'm guessing that's a Lincoln-Riley right. shot uh, with Jordan uh, yeah. Addison yeah. a year yeah. ago because yeah. he hasn't really taken many pit players, to my knowledge. Um, right. what, what do you think about this grand Deion Sanders experiment, Tim, and what this will say about his future in coaching, but also the future of college football coaching? Is this going to be something that signifies other star brands getting involved in the sport? Yeah, it is. and. Dion does come from uh, the prism of, of another kind of football, pro football and HBCU football. He knows very little about the landscape that he's going in, and the less knowledge for him, the better. He wants to do it his way, his way only, and now with the transfer portal and NIL, he has the opportunity to do that. Uh, as for Narduzzi and other coaches of his ilk, particularly of his generation, they're all troubled by everything that's been going on. You know, I've mentioned this many times. Saban is pissed off. He can't say it publicly, and he won't, because he's too intelligent, and he also knows how much we all believe that he has been anointed and therefore been on the receiving end of so many great accolades because of the system working to his favor. So he's not going to say publicly what he really believes. But I think Narduzzi is echoing the sentiments of a lot of guys that are both Pat's age and beyond. I like Pat Narduzzi, but listen, uh, Dion 
Don't worry about his record this year. I'll start with that, okay? He's got very little to work with, but he's bringing in everything brand new. And he's going to get a lot of attention early. Fox is going to carry the very first two games, as you know, which is a smart move by our programmers, in my opinion. Yes. We'll see where it goes from there. And ultimately, I think, I've stated this publicly, I believe Colorado, along with Utah, the two Arizona schools are are likely to wind up in the Big 12 by the end of the month of July. Uh, We'll see. But frankly, uh, what Colorado is doing uh, may be unique now, but I don't know that it's going to be terribly unique in the next three years. Other people are going to look at the blueprint set forth by Dion and say, okay, that's the way you got to do it. Then let's go for it. I could see some USFL coaches. Okay. Guys like Curtis Johnson, who I know you guys were talking to earlier today. I could see a guy like Curtis Johnson saying, Hmm, let's see, I've got the opportunity to build my roster from scratch. If I want to Dion did it. Yeah. I could do that. Why not give that a try? Because what the USFL has done, it's given some coaches a uh, renewed life. I mean, I think the, uh, the, the, the makeover that uh, Lou's son that Skip did on himself as a coach, as a head coach, has been phenomenal, phenomenal in Birmingham. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. Imagine that you take that same criteria, bring it into college and say, all right, I hope that I can use some of these players that are left, but if I can't, then I'm going to get rid of them even after spring ball, bring my own guys in. We've got a collectives and NIL situation here that will allow me the flexibility to do it. Timmy B, Tim Brando with us here on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Um, oh, and by the way, the Birmingham Stallions, another great move by Fox and the USFL, putting Skip Holtz with that yeah. program, with the crowd and yeah. everything else that he's done down in Birmingham firsthand as the head coach. Tim, so no uh, doubt. Uh, I was out last week when you joined uh, Chad and Charlie, but I, I did watch, and I know you wanted to chat about mm-hmm. the SEC debate and ultimately <laughs> the decision to stick with eight games for at least this year and next year, and it, knowing that they're doing away with the divisions and they're going to add a, a Power 5 opponent, opponent that's going to be mandatory for every program. I, I'm curious, do you think this is just a move to wait on ESPN to pay more money before they add yes. the ninth conference game? Yes. <laughs> Yes, it's a money grab. I mean, they're just waiting for money. But the commissioner did not have the transparency to say that. That was the really the root of my point that I was trying to make, and I did on several other uh, shows, and it uh, it got picked up by a few news services. What's that game uh, worth? My, my, what, what's the extra game worth, do you think, to ESPN? Well, when you cut a $300 million deal four and a half years ago, and it's not going to be implemented until next year, it's not worth anything right now. Why should ESPN, who made a landmark deal with the SEC for $300 million, back in 2019, the deal won't even be enacted until not this fall, but the following fall. Why should they be on the hook for more money just because the presidents of the, of the teams that are dying to get to six wins can get that extra W and go to a minor bowl game? That's what this was about. The commissioner of the Southeastern Conference cowered, in my opinion, cowered to those presidents. He yielded to them because they want to get their extra cash. And some coaches feel like if they don't get to six wins, they may lose their jobs. Look, they needed to go to nine games and they needed to do it right away because of the circumstances with the CFP moving forward to 12 teams next year. 
Nicole Harbach wrote a wonderful piece today in The Athletic about that. College football playoff committee did the exact opposite of the BCS. They had no strength of schedule component in their process, and therefore it was about branding. Brand names always getting the breaks. That's why we could name the same four or five teams almost every year that we're going to get into the CFP. With 12, you're not going to have that luxury. And you're going to have a number of teams that have nine and three records that are going to be vying for spots 10, 11, and 12. And now if you're the SEC, you're basically saying, and I think it's an arrogant gesture on their part, hey, we can only play eight, just like we did when we had four teams. We'll still get multiple teams in. I guarantee you, Greg Sankey thinks he's going to get five to six teams in a 12-team playoff every stinking year. Well, the college football playoff committee with four teams gave him reason to believe that. I believe that whole landscape changes. It should change. And I think the SEC will not be equipped for it because they had not done their due diligence with a nine-game schedule prior to going to a 12-team format in the 24-25 season. Now, one fun thing about that is with this 2024, the erasure of all divisions. Yep. Now we're going to have sort of a made-for-TV event here soon where every SEC team is going to find out at once oh. their eight opponents and that's, that's no longer by division. Yeah. So if you're in the yeah. East, you could have a, you know every team from the West for the first time ever on your schedule, well, and seeing all that at the right. same time could be good. Yeah, and that's why Saban, how about him, right? Falling in line, and he says, oh, yeah, I'm fine with eight. He was the guy that wanted nine, yep. gosh, almost 10 years ago. Why, does Saban, why did Saban say he's okay with eight? Because he found out because the, the SEC sent it out. Listen, the media knew about this. Everybody was told, here are the three teams that are gonna, you're, you're going to have on your schedule, your two primary, and the other team that you're going to play. And Alabama found out his, his rivalry games that were going to remain intact with the division going away, LSU, Tennessee, and Auburn. Well, he didn't want to have to play all three, so let's keep it at eight. So, I mean, it's whatever is convenient uh, for Coach Saban. And at this stage of his career, I'll give him that. Why not? Uh, (laughs) You're in the twilight of a a career that was the greatest career of all time. And if that's what you want, I guess that's what you're going to get. But I just think, um, and, and, and I was very critical of Greg Sankey for obvious reasons. During COVID, he was the one commissioner that took the situation by by the horns and said, we're going to power through. Here's how we're going to do it. And at that point, we all heaped praise on him as the true leader of college football. I think he's beginning to believe the publicity now, and he thinks he's the strongest voice of all of college football. I don't believe he is. Uh, Not anymore. Not after the escapades in Destin, Florida, in my view. Uh, There's a new sheriff in town in the Big Ten. I think Tony Petiti is going to, at the very least, be viewed as as strong as Sankey with a conference that's already built with a nine-game schedule to do well. The thing that the Big Ten's got to do, they've got to find those teams that have not performed well, like Nebraska, have them start performing better. And those teams like Ohio State and Michigan, they're going to, and Wisconsin maybe, they're going to have to start holding up the crystal, not just getting to the game, but winning some championships. That's the task at hand for Tony Petiti. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how they do the schedule announcement. I'm hoping that they allow like the student body, uh, the fans to come in, and you go live to each team as they find out. 
the reaction in College Station when they realize they will host yeah. Texas. You know, that, well, I, I want to see that, that more I, than I, I want to see the schedule. Well, I'll say this about uh, the SEC. And I've told every other commissioner slash associate commissioner that I've come in contact with at other conferences. They get it right. When it comes time for their championship, they hold it the right way in the right city. And the whole week is a celebration of the entire conference. Um, their media days uh, are like red carpet rides in Los Angeles to a movie premiere. And they let, they let it last a week. And the media eats it up. Uh, Mike Slive started all that. And uh, Greg Sankey was very wise to follow his lead. Um, Sankey's a very smart guy. I've known him a long time. I expect a lot from him, though. And yeah. what I saw last week disappointed me. Tim, always great, man. Thank you for coming on and uh, giving the insight. And hopefully we'll, we'll have you on again next week. You got it, fellas. All the best. Yeah, man. Uh, Thanks, Tim. Timmy B. I still hear the SEC theme from CBS, Chad. The best. One the of those best. voices that you hear and it, uh, for sports fans. Are they using that when you theme the for the Big Ten? The CBS. Yes. Oh, There's no. a promo no. out there with the, that music on the, their Big Ten game. <laughs> I know it's the promo. I didn't know if they're actually using it or not. I thought they were trolling. Maybe they'll come up with something new, but yeah. I'd expect them to use it. Yeah, well, more power to them. It's my favorite theme for sports. Coming up, um, the man card. Shaq is doing something that Charles Barkley and Shannon Sharp say is just strictly against the rules of the man card. That's next on Hot Mike. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hunting with her with you on this Friday edition. Outkick is where you can join us, outkick.com. Outkick channel on YouTube. And if you're a part of the Outkick Network listening on this great radio partner, we say thank you. Hope you subscribe to the channel on YouTube and hit us in the comment section on the chat. Chad is currently telling everyone of a show that we both enjoy that has launched season two. I think you should leave. Season three. Is it season three? Yeah, season three. I think, Hutton, we found out about it maybe it after is season, season three. two wow. came out. But yeah. season three of Tim Robinson's I Think You Should Leave. Tim Robinson was on SNL for like one season. Yeah, he was not good on one SNL. One or two seasons, they, they rarely used him. And I view this show, I Think You Should Leave, as things that, at least in my own mind, he pitched in the writer's room for SNL that were not used. Because I don't know how he didn't have more success on that show based on this show. It's a collection of two to four minute sketches. Yeah. And it is, some of it's weird, but funny. It is so yeah, it's like 50, good. 50 on if it's hilarious it's like or not. In the, each episode, 16 minutes long. Yeah. You know, it's like 16 or 17 minutes for an episode. <laughs> it highly recommend. Chad, curious where you come down to this. Cause the, the outkick staff, the writers at the, the site have weighed in outkick.com. Uh, Dan Z did a great deep dive on this because so Shannon Sharp um, went in on commentary whenever it was out that that Aaron Rodgers was like, hey, uh, you know, 
If the Packers want to contact me, you got to FaceTime me. I'm not going to be able to answer your call. you got to FaceTime me. That's, you know, that's where I am. And Shannon Sharp's like, where in the hell are you living at? In a cave? Well, actually, you know, the darkness retreat was coming. Kind of was. And, and Shannon Sharp said, if you only get one to zero bars with regular service, how are you going to get FaceTime? And then he actually said, like, what grown man FaceTimes another grown man? I ain't trying to see you like that. Well, Shaq apparently FaceTimes or tries to FaceTime Charles Barkley all the time. And Barkley was ripping on Shaq for that, too. In thinking about this, and, and Clay chimed in on if, if a, a man should FaceTime another man, just based on the man card mantra here. Clay says, generally no, but he does use it for kids only. And, and then he adds in, and Matt Liner, but he demands that Matt's topless uh, whenever they FaceTime each other. Smart man. Yes. Um, others said, yeah, kids, maybe some relatives, grandmother, uh, grandparents. But I... I I don't remember the last time I FaceTimed anyone where it was in regards to a conversation. It's always been something to show me either on paper, on screen, or what was going on that day uh, with the family. I don't FaceTime you. No. I don't know if your phone could even answer that call. It's so uh, old, it, it can. It oh, okay. can. Uh, wow. We've never FaceTimed. I can, I can honestly say, of all the phone conversations we've had over the years, not one of them have been over FaceTime. I don't think so. Shocking. Uh, no, if you're a grown man, you don't FaceTime with another grown man, unless there's a specific reason, because you're showing someone something. Well, Joe Kinsey says, Do based on FaceTime. the Thursday Night Mowing League, if you're you are show allowed the to, lines, yeah, you can yeah. show off the, the stripes the for stripes the yards yeah, to another striping. man. Um, no, no. Grown men should not FaceTime each other. I agree with the kids' rule. Are you, my, my wife will FaceTime yet, right? her parents in Nebraska for every call. Well, for the kids to see, yeah, but also her, like she'll just be on the phone with her mom on Facetime, and I'm and sometimes I think this couldn't be just a phone call. I have to hear the whole conversation while I'm sitting here trying to watch. I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. <laughs> I got to hear the whole call, yeah. but that's fine because you know they're a thousand miles apart. Sure, right, and yeah, that's well, that's her also, parents on Facetime. She's not losing a man card over that either, based on this. No, question. again, I mean, look, if my parents were a thousand miles away, I would not Facetime my dad. Grown men should not Facetime with each other. I'm very firm on this. I've, never, I've never even thought to do it. No. Now I'm going to dream about FaceTiming Chad tonight. Wonder what Chad's up to. Yeah, kids are the only time I've ever thought about FaceTiming. So you having a better Friday night than me. Let me, let me FaceTime to prove the it. The answer to that question will be no. <laughs> I can guarantee it, a resounding no. I, I have zero plans. Apparently your plans are awful. <laughs> plans are to go to bed at 9 o'clock. Headlines next. My we get plan. into a, a lot more coming, including... Game four of the NBA Finals.